Hello. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the JB Font channel. My name is James Fondleroy. I am your host. So good to see all of you here on this beautiful Thursday. Yes, I am not typically live on a Thursday, but here I am live and in your face. Just to let you guys know that JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms. So you can go ahead and subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. So you can subscribe to me over there. Also, I'm Always on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RBN. You can also catch me on Tuesdays at 4 for RBN Live and the Sabby and JB show on Thursdays at 6. And yes, I will be on with Sabby this evening on RBN. Also, thank you so much to everyone who is a follower, uh, a subscriber. And thank you to all the people who are also patrons on Patreon, Coffee, and Mutual Aid Givers. Thank you so very much. For without you guys, I would not be able to do this. So thank you so very much. Now, as usual, whenever I have a guest, I get to the people in the chat a little bit later. But for now, I would like to introduce my guest today. We're going to be talking with Miss Julia Doubleday. Did I say your last name correctly? I just want to make sure yes, I did. Yes, you're perfect. Doubleday. Just okay. like it's spelled. All right, cool, cool. So thank you so very much for joining me. And uh, I was recommended to talk, speak with you by one of my viewers. And they said that you should talk about the issues surrounding the SNAP benefits being cut mm -hmm. and Medicaid being cut. And I, I actually covered about Medicaid being cut. I, If I recall correctly, I think I've talked about SNAP being cut, but I didn't talk about it at length. And so I wanted to talk to someone who may have a little bit more of a synopsis of what actually is going on. And so if you can cover that and give us a little bit more detail that you know of so that we, for our audience, please. Totally, yeah. Um, so this is part of a larger conversation. Um, my work mainly focuses on the COVID pandemic and the sort of like ongoing project to deny and cover up the ongoing death and disability that's happening as a result of not stopping the virus, but just telling everybody to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that effort, um, this really broad scale denial of COVID, you know, still going on, still existing, still killing people, which to be clear, it is killing thousands of people a week in the US, which is quite mm -hmm. high. Um, part of that project is to start to snatch back all of the benefits, all of the um, emergency aid that was given to us at the beginning of the pandemic. So you may have seen, I'm sure you've seen over the last year, uh, Biden has been able to do what Trump was not able to do. I mean, this is Trump's wildest dreams of what he would like to accomplish. He, uh, he started to snatch back free testing. He started to snatch back free, free vaccines. Um, and what we're seeing now is that the end of the COVID emergency declaration um, is going to take back, you know, basically anything that was positive that came out of the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, when the, the emergency declaration went through, we had about 20 million additional people over the last two years who were able to get on Medicaid um, mm -hmm. because of the expanded criteria and the additional money that went to states um, for the Medicaid program. Right mm -hmm. now, what we're seeing is that, you know, Joe Biden announced in January, okay, you know, I'm doing you guys a favor. I'm going to let you know a few months early, May 11th, we're done. The emergency's over. So start, start saving up because you're not going to get your food stamps anymore. And, um, you know, just this past week, actually, or the past couple weeks, the Republicans said, you know what, this isn't even happening fast enough for us. So why don't we get together with our friends, the Democrats, and pass a, a new bill that says 
Uh, actually, the COVID pandemic is going to end immediately. I'm not fast enough for us to keep our Medicaid and food stamps. Um, that bill, which again did port, is landing on Joe Biden's desk, and he is expected to sign it. He could veto it. He's going to sign it so that whenever that bill is, it's going to end the emergency. Now, when that happens, what we're going to see is um, I think the estimate is between five to 14 people losing Medicaid uh, coverage very quickly. And the states are already beginning to unenroll people who no longer um, are going to meet the requirements. And in terms of the, the food stamp benefits, the SNAP benefits, um, this will be 32 states that still have bene uh, additional benefits at this point. Every single household is going to be receiving $95 a month. Uh, less. So, and that's going to be starting ASAP. Uh, so, and, and yeah. you know, there are also additional damaging things in this bill. As I said, the tests, vaccines, everything is being privatized. So, you know, as leftist, our goal has to mean, has been to make all healthcare free and getting to see, oh, you know, the social benefits of having vaccination and tests be free. Wouldn't you rather live in a society where when you go somewhere, people were able to freely test to see if they have a disease? Like, that sounds good to me. You know, there are social benefits to these programs. Um, there's no reason to end them other than just a complete lack of care for public health, combined with, of course, the prioritization of profit for these private insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, from what I've observed is that um, there is no the, the 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 need for profit supersedes that of the needs of the people. As you can see, both Democratic Republican parties, I like to call them the demo Republican parties, are really hell bent on serving their corporate dictators, their corporate masters. And so as we can see, it's really, uh, like I said, a mechanization of roboticization of people, really, because you're only as good as what you produce in this country, right? Right. And, so and I think, what um, I... you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, please. Mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to say, I think um, you also raise a good point, which, and I'd like to bring this back to the left as well and say, you know, what we've seen with the Trump COVID pandemic response going into the Biden COVID pandemic response, they have been completely consistent. They did, he did not change the policy at all. The policy is if you're weak, you should die. Nobody else should be bothered with it. And, you know, let's completely ignore the science. Let's just go with what is best according to our pollsters. This is a continuous um, policy. It's a continuous attack on vulnerable and disabled people. And it is such a great moment, a great moment for the left to come in and say, we can offer you something better. Because unfortunately, you know, I, I haven't seen the left flooding into this space and saying, hey, you know, 400,000 people died of COVID under Trump. And you know how many have died of COVID under Biden? Almost 800,000. So it's not like, you know, there's, it's not like there's not still this mass death event happening, a mass disabling illness event happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has been slowed down, but from the vaccine, that's not enough. So like, it, this is a great moment to make our case and say, you see how the Democrats talked a big game. They got mm -hmm. into office and they didn't change a that damn thing. And yeah. there are things that we can do um, one, one thing I want to be sure to mention is that, you know, sometimes when I talk about this, people are like, yeah, but at the end of the day, COVID's COVID, what are you going to do? 
one thing that you're, you're probably may not be aware of and that I think this administration has gone out of its way um, to make sure people aren't aware of, there are very simple measures to control this disease. And one of them is a clean indoor air standard. So the same way that we have clean water indoors, um, other countries are beginning to implement this. In Japan, you'll see they have like carbon dioxide monitoring outside when you go in. And yeah. it's very easy, this technology, like HEPA filtration, ventilation. The White mm -hmm. House and this Congress could very easily say, oh, did I lose you? I'm still here. Oh, okay. Um, the White House and this uh, Congress could very easily say we need to have a clean indoor air standard and keeping indoor um, CO2 concentration below 800 parts per million is the equivalent of everyone inside wearing a high quality mask. So we don't need to mask forever. We, we could have implemented this years ago and you wouldn't be getting sick over and over and over again, you know. But Julia, I mean, really, that is. <sighs> And people are like, that's socialism because you're actually going for a more collective type of, you know, yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Now, just to let you know, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, there needs to be a full nationalization of our healthcare system from top to yeah. bottom. I honestly think not only just for insurance, like single payer, I think single payer is a step in the right direction, but I don't think it's actually good enough. I'm yeah, the type of yeah. person that goes, no, let's have a nationalization of the pharmaceutical industry because there's so many of us do not trust them because yep. they rolled out in the vaccines a little too fast. Yeah. And so the thing is, is like, I want us to be kind of like Cuba because right. number one, their vaccines, their jabs are better than ours here. They're doing, yes, they're doing super well with COVID. And they have a vaccination rate of over 90% because they actually did the research and they didn't just push it out for the means of profit. So well, I, we have Yeah, I, I would go beyond that and say, you know, it is the trust in the public health care system. And there is a lack of trust in this country, which is not mm -hmm. the fault of the public. Um, I will um, give a really good example of how the vaccines are being undercut by this White House's dishonest messaging. Um, so you may or may not know, I actually, through my work, work on COVID issues now. I'm talking to COVID researchers all day, every day. I'm talking to cell biology PhDs, people who are doing this research. One thing that we have known since 2020 is that COVID is a vascular disease. So people think it's a, it's a respiratory illness. It actually attacks the cells that line your blood vessels, those are called endothelial cells. And that damage can lead to damage to any one of your organs over time. So you can end up with heart damage, lung damage, brain damage. You can end up with liver damage, kidney damage. All of these things are post-COVID things. So a lot of people, you know, get sick and then, you know, a year later they have a new gastrointestinal disorder. They don't connect it to COVID. But one of the things we're seeing that has started in 2020, so before the vaccine was even invented, huge spike in heart attacks, strokes and sudden deaths. That is true. It is true that heart attacks have gone up significantly. Most significantly in the 25 to 44 year old age group, a study found that um, the number of deaths in uh, post pandemic versus pre pandemic 30% higher at this point. Now that's a really, really big change that can be anecdotally observed. And it is happening because people are getting reinfected with COVID, which is a dangerous disease 
over and over and over again. But because this White House wanted you back to normal, because this White House wanted you at your job not complaining, because this White House didn't want to clean the indoor air, their message is, it's a flu, it's a cold, get back to work. And because mm -hmm. they do not talk about the post-COVID health effects, including heart attacks, guess who came into the vacuum and started to explain those heart attacks? The anti-vaxxers. Now, if you see young people having heart attacks, go to the comments on Twitter, all anti-vaxxers, it's the, it's the shot, it's the clot shot, it's the shot. We There has been research about what is causing these heart attacks. It is COVID, we know this, but Biden administration is propping up anti-vaxxer um, talking points by not warning people that COVID is dangerous. I necessarily wouldn't say anti-vaxxer because, and this is going to be my little bit of a pushback because there are some people who are what I like to call vaccine hesitant for this particular vaccine. They're fine with a lot of other different types, but the problem is, is that this one and the way it was rolled out, uh, they are very hesitant. Some have also been injured from these. I actually know a couple people. And so I wouldn't necessarily call them anti-vaxxers. That's kind of a well, inflammatory let me, let me unpack that a little bit. I, I agree. I think there are some people who are vaccine hesitant. I had someone comment on my page the other day, does, you know, doesn't um, the vaccine cause heart attacks? And I responded with a study and I was like, no, like word, it's actually, you know, COVID. And, and I was quick to clarify and say, also, yes, the vaccine does have a small risk of myocarditis in young men. That's a true thing. I would never like, like deny mm -hmm. the idea that there can be bad outcomes from the vaccine. Um, but this study specifically looked at, you're like nine times more likely to get myocarditis from the COVID infection itself. So it's not, I don't think that every person who won't get the vaccine is an anti-vaxxer, but I think if you see these studies and you look, you actually look at the data, which again, this started in 2020, a year before the vaccine even came out, we knew it was causing heart damage. When you see mm -hmm. that information and you refuse to engage with it and you continue to just talk about how the vaccine is harmful, but won't talk about COVID being harmful, that to me gets into a really damaging territory. Um, mm. and, and, I, and one thing I would also you know, add to that is that I'm not someone who's like, you have to go get the vaccine. I don't believe that. I think that if you're not comfortable getting the vaccine, okay, don't get the vaccine, but you should wear a mask. And the reason you should wear a mask is that COVID is much, much, much more dangerous than the, va the vaccine. So if you're gonna come to me and say, well, I, I just think the vaccine's too dangerous, okay then you shouldn't be trying not to get COVID. Like that is the logical, rational extension of what you're saying. COVID is an extremely dangerous disease. Yeah. This is a little bit more complex of a topic that would require an entire show, but, um, but well, yeah. Happy to, so, happy to chat about it anytime. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, one of the things that I am uh, a big proponent of is someone that is disabled, uh, that, the fact that you know SNAP benefits and uh, as well as Medicaid is being cut on a massive scale, this is just it is very is anti-worker is is anti-human in my eyes. Um, now, just as a full disclosure, I do receive SNAP benefits. Like I, I you know, just because I have a channel doesn't mean I'm rich. And so, um, and I've told people this before. I was receiving. Uh, a couple months ago, I was receiving $60 worth of SNAP benefits. And then soon as my disability benefits, the cost of living adjustment happened, then they dropped it to $30. And so for some of the people who are like, oh man, they're getting $95 less. I'm like, I wish I had $95. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, and on top of that, you know, you have the people who are constantly, you know, under the thumb due to this 
what they like to call inflation, I call price gouging in this country. Yeah, I think yeah. that it is just uh, devastating, especially to a lot of people who are who are you know impoverished in this system. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm within the hair's breadth of it. I know many people. I know people who are in my family that are homeless. Yeah, and yeah. so I mean. Can can you speak to the human element, the human aspect of what's going on? I also have a couple articles as well as a, a, a newsreel to play as well. Yeah, um, you know, I think that this administration, it it's very frustrating to see the bigger picture of how the Biden administration has gotten away with continuing these anti-human policies. Another thing I forgot to mention is that there's something called Title Forty Two. Um, which mm -hmm. is essentially uh, this immigration rule that was implemented as part of the public health emergency that said, hey, um, you know, because of the public health emergency, we can, you know, deport immigrants more easily because, you know, they could expose us to COVID. Um, that was implemented under Trump. And now that's like one of the parts of the emergency that they're not getting rid of. Like it's totally anti-immigrant and there's still like a lack of pushback Um you know, even among the like so-called progressive left, you don't hear anything. And I think what you're getting at, um, you know, the people who are going to be most affected by this are poor people, people of mm -hmm. color, we also have disabled people, all of these marginalized groups. These politicians genuinely believe they don't matter to the um, election outcomes. That's the only reason they can get away with doing this. So, you know, if they were to try to do something like this with wealthier people, people who are marginalized, yes, it would be all over the news. But because the victims of these policies are underrepresented, they're not represented in the media, they're not represented by progressives, um, they can just get away with this. It's it's totally, as you say, um, it's anti it's anti-human. And again, it 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 shows how that two parties that are neoliberal capitalist parties can never, this can never be a challenge to the fascism of the right. Um, it just, it when it comes up to profit mo motive, that's when their commitment to equality just stops every single time. When it's, when it's poor people or people who need services up against profit, they're gonna pick profit every time. And in that sense, you cannot, you cannot resist fascism that way. Mm -hmm. There was a, a article that was brought out by The Hill. Uh, it says snap cuts could lead to hunger cliff, experts fear. And just reading a couple of paragraphs says a pandemic related boost in the supplemental nutrition assistance program will be cut in every state on March 1st. So this was over a month ago, mm -hmm. meaning millions of Americans are faced with figuring out new ways to put food on the table. For Natalie Sharp, a 35-year-old part-time Pilates instructor and her partner, that means stocking up on non-perishable food items like dry beans, pasta, and canned tomatoes, as well as visiting food pantries near their home in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And so this is um, this is really the, the real thing. And when you mention some of those people who are also disenfranchised uh, because of policies like this, I fit into every single category that you just mentioned. I am black, I am poor, and I am disabled. Yep. And so this affects people like me in an exponential way. And so this is why this is so worth talking about. Because the thing is that people like myself get left to the back all the time. And especially by both parties. Yep. Uh, it's a, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, and to tie this into another thing that's going on right now, the way that we've seen trans people get thrown under the bus. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that you'll see a lot from these um, sort of large organized uh, liberal groups and mm -hmm. from liberal politicians in office is just everything's about the next election. Mm -hmm. And it's not about justice. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about, mm -hmm. well, is it better to throw these people under the bus or not? And no acknowledgement, of course, that your attention and your narrative and your messaging could actually influence what happens to these people. So, you know, with COVID, what's happened is, um, you know, Joe Biden, again, like there was a leaked document where his pollsters said, hey, declare it over. He declared it over. And that's fucking it. It doesn't matter how many people die. It doesn't matter how many disabled people get, you know, hospitalized. It doesn't matter how many able people end up disabled because of long COVID. He is not going to give a fuck because his pollsters told him, oh, well, don't worry, you're not going to lose votes. And and you might lose votes if you if you actually you know care about whether these people live or not. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when it comes to the Democrats and Republicans, people like me and uh, those are my comrades at RBN, we're the ones that say, you know what? Don't give any money to these politicians, neither the Democrats or Republicans, just yeah. give to mutual aid and build dual dual power systems so that we can actually change this, this system from the ground up because you will not get anywhere with either party. And so that's one of the things that I talk about a lot, uh, you know, because looking at, you know, how they will say a lot of the right things, including progressives, they will yep. say it a lot of the right things and then they will leave you out in the lurch. They'll be like, new phone, who this? <laughs> Literally, that yeah. really irks me because there are so many different things that could be done I mean, even just from a foreign policy perspective, some of the things that they have actually voted for and really, truth be told, it's like, OK, I thought you guys were tr trying to bring a ruckus into the system exactly. when in really you're not resistors, you're us sisters. And so that's the thing that I've been noticing. So this is one of the reasons why I say if you want to still do electoral politics, then you can go third party or independent. But outside of that. I'm not I'm not behind you because the thing is is that as we see right now, the they are owned. They are literally owned. And they can say, well, we don't, we're grassroots, we don't get money from the, you know, we don't get corporate money, things like that. Yeah, but at the same time, you're following the instructions and uh and the you're following the people who do, right. and you're not deviating away from them, you're you're calling them mama bear. You know what I mean? And so that's I, my reason. I, yeah, I strongly agree. And I'm someone who's worked in democratic politics and I'm someone who's worked for progressives, but I, it's been a huge disappointment to see, um, you know, I think what you said is correct. I, I was so excited that these people who aren't getting big money are going into Congress. And now that mm -hmm. they're in Congress, um, not always, not all the time, not all of them, but a lot of the time, some of the things that they do and say, it's like, who the fuck do you think sent you there? I fucking sent you there. We sent you there. And why do you think we sent you there? We sent you there to challenge these fucking people. We don't like them. We sent them, like literally AOC, you are in office because like the third in line to democratic power, we were trying to get rid of him. And we sent you there to represent us against these people. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, let me make new friends. That's not what we sent you there for. We hired you and we can fire you. And I don't understand why you think that your audience is a bunch of boomer Democrats 
who want you to get along with Nancy Pelosi. Nobody sent you there to do that. That's not what your voters want. Yeah. This is why I don't believe in capitalist parties anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just starts to feel a little pointless. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go this direction. And that's what I'm actually very hopeful for. Yeah. Is that a lot of us are, you know, I, I have I have a little gray here, but I'm an elder millennial. And We're those safe. of us who are, you are too? Okay. Yeah. So a lot of us who are millennials and Gen Z, and there are a few Gen Xers out there. Shout out to my my fellow Gen Xers, my beautiful Gen Xers yeah. out there. But a lot of uh, of them are now seeing that, yeah, no, this system, and people will say the system's corrupt, but that means that the system had to have been good in the first place. Coming as a black gay man that's disabled, mm. the system was never good. And the fact we have to change the government yes. in order to be what we want it to be. Because it's like, well, we're the majority now. So guess what? We're now going to tell you what we want the government to be. Not what a bunch of, uh, of you know, late 20s to early 30s, you know, land-owning white dudes did, you know, 240 years ago. You know what I mean? So that's one of the things I think that we are... We're shifting the narrative. I honestly think this is why the Restrict Act is is gaining so much steam, as far as a lot of young people talk about it. Which I'll be talking yep. about, you know, with Savvy later tonight, because we're talking about the Restrict Act being basically a um, a really uh, a violation of our free speech, especially online. We're going to be talking about that, and 100%. the fact that it has bipartisan support really tells you everything you need to know about the system that we live in. So yeah. 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 Um it is it is um extremely concerning to see the degree to which they're starting to crack down on social media. It's something that I absolutely anticipated. I wrote about it back in 2015 um mm -hmm. and 2016 when there started to be this big um the media used essentially uh this scapegoat of disinformation online to explain why Donald Trump one, it wasn't their horrible reporting and the fact that they platformed him and put every single one of his speeches on CNN. No, no, no. It's because people were, you know, on Twitter um, and on Facebook and all this stuff. And, you know, one of the things I said to one of my parents, because they were saying, well, Russia stole the election. I was like, look, if you could steal that election with what a hundred thousand dollars worth of Facebook ads, we would have done it. Like Bernie would have done it. Like it's not, it's not like a billion dollar election was stolen with like four Facebook ads. Like, please, like this, this was always a scapegoat. And you know, at the time, although Facebook has become kind of a boomer graveyard at this point, at the time, you know, they were blaming it on this. And I was like, you know, every person that voted for Trump is it's the CNN viewers, it's the Fox News viewers, it's all people who watch cable news. So this whole idea that like, oh, this is the dangerous thing, not Fox News, not the thing where you go on and they, you know, tell you we have to go bomb Iran every other day. Like, that's not the problem. Like, please. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, look, uh, one of the things uh, and I love bringing out the hypocrisies of the United States government is that there was actually a Time magazine with the cover about how the United States interfered in Russian elections to get Boris Yeltsin elected. Yes. Well, that That's, I mean, that the whole article I wrote was literally about how um, this sort of either faux naivete or else miseducation of American journalists where they were talking about disinformation as if it was you know, the concept of propaganda was invented by Russia. And also even the concept of lying 
the concept of lying was invented by Russia. And then, you know, to present this information without decades and decades, a century of um, context that we interfere in elections all the motherfucking time. I mean, like, what did these people think the CIA does? Like, we just go in and ask for things nicely? Like, there's so many movies about CIA agents. Like, this is what they do. You know, this is what they do. Like, it's just very bizarre to me. Like, the the cognitive dissonance of, of knowing that we have this giant secret agency all over the world that, you know, mm -hmm. goes around knocking off people we don't like, but then being like, oh my God, election interference, like get the smelling salts. Yeah, if you want to talk about election interference and let's talk about, you know, the Democratic primaries and the Republicans doing gerrymandering. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah, really want to talk about it. Okay, about that, that was one of the funniest ones, actually, was when, um, you know, Trump was uh, saying he won, you know, the votes weren't in yet, and he got up and said he won. Then they have Mayor Pete on CNN being like, well, this is a, just the end of democracy when people say they won and the votes haven't been counted yet. This motherfucker just did that. He did that in Iowa the same year. It was like the night the votes were coming in, it was like they weren't counted at all. And he was like, I'm so happy. Like, my team, like, we won. Thank You know, we're so thankful. You just did this. Like, how can you possibly with a straight face go on TV and say, you know, it's just so hypocritical. Please, please do not bring up Peter Paul Montgomery Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah. On my stream. Yeah. By the way, that's all his names. He literally, that's his entire name. Peter Paul Peter Montgomery. Paul wow. Montgomery. It sounds like a folk band. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> sounds like a privileged rich kid that, you know. Yeah, it could be a law firm too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that wears... You know that you know wears those those sweaters around the neck. You know, tied. <laughs> yeah, that that's a vibe. Yeah, that practices this golf swing randomly at certain times. You know, when you're talking to them. God, pretentious pricks. Um, but yeah. So back to this the subject at hand. Um, yeah. Sorry, that yeah. ADHD. My ADHD will have us going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little scatterbrained too, but that's why people watch me. Um, <laughs> I, I give them a show. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up also is uh, continuing this article that uh, was speaking about the um, from the Hill. It says navigating a post-COVID America on pre-COVID level SNAP benefits might be more of a struggle for others, like elderly and chronically ill especially now that inflation has caused food prices to balloon nearly 10% since last year, according to the Department of Agriculture. How, Julia, how, you know, how good does it feel to pay almost $10 for eggs? <laughs> I know, right? Eggs are such a, like, uh, luxury symbol now. Everyone's, like, conspicuously consuming their omelets. Um, yeah, no, the, the price hikes, I think... Um, they're very difficult for working families and you have a an administration i guess i'm just gonna shit talk about it this whole time but you have an administration that's playing in our faces about what's happening you know they are constantly coming out oh the jobs report is so good let me tell you something about the job report mm -hmm. if you are not actively looking for work you are removed uh, you're not considered to be unemployed and if you're long-term disabled or if you um can no longer work and you can't job hunt you're not considered to be in those unemployment figures now, the current estimate of long COVID cases in this country are between 16 million and 25 million Americans after two years. And of those people, 4 million of them, this is this is according to the Brookings Institute, which is a conservative think tank. And the only reason they're doing this research is they're like, is it bad to disable the entire labor force like very quickly? Um, 
4 million, two to 4 million of those are so disabled that they can never work again. So what the fuck is the plan here? Like, what is the plan um, in the long term when you're disabling people at this rate, the workforce at this rate? I mean, I think their assumption going in was like, oh, great, we'll kill a bunch of old people, we'll kill disabled people, that'll that'll lighten up the budget. You know, well, what doesn't lighten up your economic situation is disabling all your workers really rapidly. Um, but yeah, no, uh, to get back to your original point, yes, Biden has been continually spinning and the press as well has been continually spinning the economic situation as this great situation as the banks are collapsing. And, um, you know, this again gets back to the press being Biden's best friend. I mean, we, we saw uh, under Trump, you know, they absolutely were for once in their goddamn lives being the, the watchdog press. They were, you know, patting themselves on the back. Oh my God, giving themselves a round of applause every day for being rude to the president of the United States. Your job is to be rude. Your job is to challenge the president of the United States. You never did it before. I would love if you continued to do it, um, but they didn't. As soon as Biden got in, um, anything Biden says, I remember one, one thing he said. So last year inflation was at uh, 7%, I think it was at 7%. And the June economic report found that it was at 7% and the July economic report found that it was at 7%. Now the way the Biden White House spun this was inflation has slowed down inflation is now at 0% because in both June and July, it was seven. That means there was no change. So they were saying the month to month month inflation is 0%. And they put out this messaging, inflation's at 0%. And all of the six figure liberals just ran with it. You know, they're like, oh, don't you know inflation? You know, these are people who don't have to worry about the, the price of eggs at all. They just see what they see. They see the talking points. And yeah, the press just word for word verbatim, oh, inflation's at 0%. Now, when Joe Biden tweeted this, it was actually misleading enough that they even put, you know, a content warning on it on Twitter. And they were like, FYI, <laughs> what this actually means is it was 7% last month and it's still 7%, which by the way, is sky high. <laughs> yeah unfortunately is going up everywhere uh one of the things also that a lot of people aren't talking about and this pertains to a lot of people who are low income is that this is about the medicaid cuts and mm -hmm. this is also another another variable that a lot of people are not talking about it says five states will right. be the first residents off medicaid starting april so mm -hmm. You know, it says millions uh, are at risk of losing their Medicaid coverage in the coming month. But residents in Arizona, Arkansas, Ohio, Idaho, New Hampshire, and South Dakota will be the first to bear the brunt of terminations. And it says states have been barred by Congress from winnowing their Medicaid roles since the COVID-19 pan pandemic began. That prohibited, I'm sorry, that prohibition ended on Saturday. And some states are moving much more swiftly than others to kick those off those deemed eligible for the public health insurance program for low income Americans. So uh, this is just another uh, really attack and war on the poor yep. that is constantly being perpetuated. And yep. it's this, this austerity mindset that continuously uh, puts people at risk. And, and I'm of, the, I'm of the, the mindset that we are all connected, right? that when you hurt i hurt when you have joy i have joy that's one of my favorite things to say right Love it. and so when you leave your people and by your people i mean all the people within your country 
Now, I also extend this to all the people in the world, but just for the sake of arguing for the United States, all the people in the country, they are, you know, being left out the lurch of being sick. You're literally hurting yourself. It may be indirectly, but you are hurting yourself. Yes, I, I'm so happy you actually brought that up because I, I just made a TikTok video last night where I said those exact words. And I said, mm -hmm. the spiritual lesson of the pandemic is when you hurt others, you hurt yourself. And it could not be more clear um, in the way that, you know, people are assuming, okay, well, it's only disabled people that are going to die. It's only older people that are going to die. They continue to otherize the people who are being harmed. And the end result is all of us not caring about this. We're getting sick. I'm getting sick. Everyone's getting sick. And, um, you know, on an institutional level, there is a ton that can be done. I, I'm not saying it should only be individualized, but I think that one thing that's missing right now is, um, if I can just do a little psychological speculation right now, I, I think that what happened to me, this is what happened to me. So I had a very traumatic 2020. I, th I, th I think everybody did. It was very scary. There was no vaccine, yada, yada. Uh, and then 2021 comes around and I hear the pandemic's over. I'm like, Hell yes. I mean, I booked some plane tickets. I went to five countries. I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm over the pandemic. I, I went through that. But what happened was um, I'm familiar. I'm a leftist. I'm familiar that states lie. I'm familiar with the fact that the media is not always going to be honest um, if something is working or not based on who's in office. And I came back from my trip and Omicron was hitting. And I started to see two to 3,000 people were dying per day. That's a 9-11 per day during Omicron last last January, one of the deadliest months of the entire pandemic. And the New York Times, if you re read them, you would think everyone was having a picnic. I mean, they were like, this is great news. Everything's going fine. And I was like, okay, something is up with this. Like they are not communicating that this strategy failed. The vaccine only strategy failed. And um, so that's when I started to get much more active, you know, in the politics of COVID. Um, as we know, again, people of color, poor people, disabled people, they are bearing the brunt of this and especially people working on the front lines. So anybody who's, you know, teachers, nurses, people constantly getting exposed. Um, I think that it can be alienating to people, you know, when I say, oh, we need to mask because they're like, oh, I don't want it all to be on me. That's too much. Um, but I want to say something else about, you know, what I said earlier, which is, um, you know, with the, the vaccine not being the end all be all. What I'm asking people to do is, yes, re-engage with this topic, which I think people are very traumatized around. I think that's the reason they don't like it brought back up. They don't want to think about it. Engage with this topic, but think about what we can be asking for. And, and a lot of people don't realize we can be asking for um, clean indoor air, and we can put it back on the government that they have to do something. So when, when you see all of these cascading horrible health problems and you just blame the vaccine, what I was saying earlier about, about Biden, um, you know, not correcting that information, he would much rather you blame the vaccine. And the reason for that is he doesn't want people asking for things from the government. The Democrats and the Republicans, they don't care if you blame the vaccine, they don't care if you blame the sky being blue, anything but COVID because they do not want to fix the indoor air. They do not want to have to pay out, you know, um, the the uh for the legal consequences of disabling so many people uh they just don't want to deal with it so i think like when you're looking at how you can hold the government accountable um i and, and to tie this back to your question sorry i kind of went on a tangent but to tie, tie this back to your question i think one of the reasons that we haven't seen a really strong pushback on the left on the fact that 
you know, this is our wheelhouse. This is our wheelhouse that people are being thrown off Medicaid. This is awful. I think one of the reasons we haven't seen a pushback is people are afraid of the word COVID. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about that. It's still a pandemic. They want it to be over. And it's psychological. And I think that like one of the things that maybe could help people in front of it is to say, yes, there are solutions. It's not going to be just you wear a mask for the rest of your life. It's we have to demand clean indoor air. And, um, you know, what you're talking about with with how obviously healthcare should be, it should be universal healthcare and how harming other people harms yourself. The actions of this government um, from privatizing the tests and treatments and vaccines to throwing people off Medicaid, they're not the actions of a government that actually cares about public health. They're not the actions of a government that want to stop the spread of COVID or any disease. They're not, the, they're not the actions of a government who cares about your health. They're not the actions of a government who cares if you live or die. And like, we need to engage with this because right now, this whole concept of I'm over COVID, you are ceding a very important right. You have a right to not be infected in your workplace. You have a right to not be infected with a disease in healthcare. This is a right that they're stripping from you. And not only are they stripping you from it, for it, they are getting you to thank them for it. That is so sad. You know, like they're, they're taking away all of the helpful things that accompanied the beginning of the emergency and you know they're pissing on your leg and saying it's raining you know just oh we you know that's that's over now don't worry oh you got covid again for the third time this year seems like a you problem you know that's not acceptable this is not acceptable none of this is acceptable yeah yeah uh, one of the things that i want to add to what you said is that we focus on treatment but we don't focus on prevention Yes. What if, you know, helping, you know, you know, giving, you know, having less food deserts? What if we have more types of, you know, uh, you we allow a more work-life balance so people can spend more time recovering their bodies instead of work, work, work? What yeah. if, you know, instead of constantly wanting to prescribe medications to treat a disease, you start you know, uh, recommending your patients to go out into the sun and start taking more vitamin D so that you can actually resist some of these things. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, there is a, there is a shift in focus for a lot of us, uh, to start making demands. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but back in 2021, there was a march in over 50 cities around the United States called the March for Medicare for All. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Uh, I don't remember that one specifically, no. Yeah. So I, I went to the march here in Orlando. It was, it, it was in over 50 cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All over the country. And we all marched making demands of our politicians for Medicare for all. And this is the same people. We were also the same ones that were pushing for force to vote, you know, for the progressive caucus to actually force Nancy Pelosi to put Medicare for all to a floor right. vote as well. And so, you know, that was done. And also a lot of people are not aware of this, but section 1884 a of the social security act enables the president to give Medicare to everyone within within a given area you know if there is a certain any type of an emergency this actually happened in libby montana and uh president obama was able to enact section 1881a you also can do it in 
East Palestine, Ohio, you know, as well. Right. You can do it in Flint, Michigan or Jackson, Mississippi or many other places. You can do it nationwide. But the thing is that they don't want to do it right. because it gives people ideas. Because if we nationalize the healthcare system or if we give everybody single payer health care, right. well, then that exactly. Will be well, this is why they have to roll these things back too. Oh, well, well, if COVID vaccines can be free, why do the other vaccines cost money? Hey, well, there's no good reason, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think um, East Palestine and um, everywhere, I mean, everywhere we're, we're seeing these mm -hmm. crises. Um, mm -hmm. Whether you live there or not, again, it, it's as you said, when other people are harmed, you are harmed. Like, when we don't resist these things, we endanger ourselves. You know, we. This is another case of you know this this train derailed. These people are being poisoned. Nothing is happening. Um, obviously, we see see it in Flint as well. When when people just accept that and they say, well, that's happening to someone else. It's not happening to me. You make yourself now more vulnerable. And it's the same thing with COVID. It's when you say, well, it's only old people that are getting killed by the state. It's only sick people that are getting killed by the state. You know, it's the first they came for the poem. It's same, same with trans people. When you say only the trans people are getting, you know, called out by these fascist laws. Um, when you don't stand together and they break us up into these groups, that is when we become extremely weak and we lose our power. And then guess who is next? You know, guess who's the next person that has poisoned water or has poisoned air? or you know, gets long COVID and can't work anymore and can't get on disability, which is a thing that is happening extremely frequently in this country right now. You know, like we have to take these things seriously when they're happening to other people instead of you know having this knee-jerk reaction of like, it's only so-and-so group, so I'm gonna look away, you know? Yeah, and one of the things I, I recommend is to build up the workers' movement. Um, yeah. I am supportive of uh, Shama Sawant's Workers Strike Back that is actually a great organization that just spearheaded and they're doing work across the country in order to empower workers and to unionization. But another thing I would like to encourage is, uh, you know, an encouragement for people to join uh, more worker owned movements, you know, yes, starting work yeah. things like that. So I think that, you know, if you don't want to, you know, become a worker owner, but you want to continuously be in the union, okay. But I think the power really lies in worker ownership as well. I think that that yeah. can also be a huge boom. Um, there was a question uh, by Roger. Thank you for the super chats. He says, Julia, do you live in Cali, New York, or where are you at? I'm actually in uh, Washington, D.C. So East okay. Coast. So you're yeah. belly of the beast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm right um, here. Yeah. So <laughs> be careful. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of crazies yeah, they, out there. Steve on the Hill don't always love me, but yeah. yeah, I'm here. But one of my final questions to you is as far as the overall, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the pandemic, I'm talking about overall, what do you think is one of the best solutions that we can have in order to combat this system fundamentally? I know that's a kind of a big question. But. That's a huge, yeah, that's <laughs> that's gonna be a whole other hour. But uh, yeah. I mean, the first word that comes to mind is solidarity, goddamn solidarity. And that means we don't let these little things, like I was saying, we don't let these little things slide. We don't let these things that aren't affecting us slide. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, the whole weight of the world's on your shoulders, although it does kind of feel like that sometimes. Um, but I think that 
building community um, and finding joy as we do that is a critical part of organizing. So like right now, from I can speak for myself and say, look, like I've been connecting with a lot of other people in the sort of like politics of COVID community. And I got to say, like, now that I have a bunch of friends who are who are COVID safe, meaning they they always wear a high quality mask indoors. That's the only thing we do. We wear high quality mask indoors. We meet outside. We hang out. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I don't have to worry about getting infected. This is so nice. Um, now, obviously, caveat, of course, I'm working from home. Not everyone has that privilege. I don't have kids. Not, you know, people have kids in school. I, I understand it's very difficult. But I do think that whatever context you're you're talking about, the power of community and just friendship first is like paramount. It's paramount. It's not just about, um, you know, it's not just about what we can change. It's about, are we building spaces that people want to come into and are going to enjoy being a part of? And can we then do productive things with those spaces? So, you know, you mentioned mutual aid. I've just in the last couple of years started to like get involved with some of that stuff and like understand it. And, um, it does feel so much more important than like, oh, giving 20 bucks to a politician. You know, this is stuff that we're, we're having a direct impact on people. And when you have that direct impact and you're directly communicating with people, um, you are in a sense, you know, recruiting, you know, you are showing them, hey, like, isn't it great over on this side where we like support each other and take care of each other and we value each other and we're not going to leave you behind. We're not going to ever make a calculation that says, well, I might get more votes if I say trans people are bad, you know, like that's, we are values driven. We're not driven by anything other than um, trying to build a more just world. So I think um, a combination of connecting with others in your community who feel the same way you do, um, working with those people to figure out how to make direct changes and, and like organize different kinds of drives, those kind of things. And also um, really making it a welcoming space that that people want to be a part of, I think is how we, is how we grow the movement. Mm -hmm. Thank you so very much for that. And also before you go, where can they find you as well? Where can they find me? Uh, okay, so I am on Twitter, and I think that's my app. I, I assume that's my app, Julia underscore Doubleday. I actually don't ever remember it off the top of my head. My a funny thing about me is my name is both Julia and Julie, and like I'm indecisive to the point where people ask me what my name is, and I say I don't know. Um, but yeah, so my my Twitter, Julia underscore Doubleday, and then I also have a Substack. So my Substack is um, the Gauntlet, G A U N. T L E T. I hope I'm spelling that right. The gauntlet, uh, dot substack com. I started that specifically just because I was so mad about COVID. The first piece is like Biden's killed 700,000 people. Should we do something about this? Um, so yeah, the, the gauntlet I'm on Twitter. I'm also on TikTok. I just got on TikTok recently. So let me, let me look up what the hell my name is on TikTok. It's, uh, <laughs> I gotta work on this whole. I keep my name the across all the boards. <laughs> Okay, this is my TikTok at, at too. So this is the same same one at Julia underscore mm -hmm. Doubleday, and uh, yeah, that I had to get that for the kids. Tell them what's going on with COVID, and it's been fun yeah. so far. So I'm a TikTok girl now. All right, cool, cool. Thank you so much for coming in, and thanks Thank for thanks talking. for having me. This was so fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, hopefully, we'll be able to talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having All me. All right. Take care. Bye. Later. Okay, so good to see all of you here. Hope you, you guys were uh, able to 
get something out of that interview. I appreciate Julia coming on to explain, especially about what's going on with SNAP benefits and Medicaid. There's a lot to go on right now, especially when it comes to things like that. It's just, you know, horrific what's happening to those of us who are disabled and uh, low income as well as elderly. And so I appreciate her coming on to talk about that, especially. Um, so just to let you guys know, uh, of course, if you guys would like to, you guys can also, uh, you guys can subscribe to my Substack if you guys want to like to get some email notifications. You know, of course, you guys got email notifications right before I went live. So I'll be doing that to make sure that you guys get it because the YouTube notifications aren't so reliable. So just to let you guys know that. So thank you so very much there. Also, just to let you guys know, um, I just want to give a thanks again and shout out to patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as members. Yes, I have memberships and my list is updated. So thank you so very much to all you beautiful and lovely people because you guys are the reason why I can do what I do. Uh, so let me get this here. And also just let you guys know, um, I will be uh, live on Savvy. Uh, with Savvy tonight. We're going to be talking about a couple of different stories. So if you guys want to join me for that as well. Now, I also have a couple stories that I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. Uh, I'm not just going to leave you guys out in the lurch yet. Um, but before we get into that, I would like to say hello to everybody that's in the chat and get this conversation going. So whatever man says, hey, JB Fine, how can I contact you? I will put my email in the chat, whatever, man. So, wait, what, what in the world? Wait, hold on. I could have swore I started typing it. Okay. Okay. All right. Just wanted to that in there so that's for whatever man thank you so very much roger says hey no fair you started two minutes early <laughs> where's your color people time loyalty bruh cancel consider your black card a ghetto pass revoked sorry roger sorry but then roger comes back and says okay i see you're showing yourself two minutes late ghetto pass reinstated <laughs> black cards now being reissued <laughs> thanks roger I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Also, we're going to go right back to the top just to see who else is in the chat, just to say our hellos and say our salutations because that's important. We got to make sure that all of our people get spoken to. Speak to all the people and let them know that you are here, that you acknowledge them they're here. Okay. So... Please forgive me, but I accidentally put the stream to start at 2 a.m. instead of 2 p.m. So there were some people that were waiting for the stream to start really early this morning, and I had no idea. And the funny part was 
I had created this. I was still up like really late this morning. I mean, really early this morning because I was just trying, busy trying to do stuff on the channel. And so I guess I was so exhausted that I forgot to put PM instead of AM. So my dearest apologies to all of you who may have been waiting at two o'clock in the morning for me <laughs> to go live. Just to let you guys know, I unless I announce that I will be doing something that late in the evening or that early in the morning, I most likely just put it at AM instead of PM like I was supposed to. And my apologies. I'll try to be better in the future. So thank you so very much. The Maver Maverick came in and said, clearly I, the Maverick, can see her. There she is. The Maverick apparently chases after what appears to be a shadow and tried to be slap it. Take this evil <laughs> What in the world? this is oh the maverick oh my gosh that is hilarious okay the <laughs> quantum alchemist says starting to think there won't be a stream at this point oh i'm so sorry i'm sorry quantum alchemist please forgive me oh gosh i i just feel so bad please forgive me oh man colin comes in and says ah the am pm switcheroo yeah yeah i Mm, I messed up on that one. Wadi, good to see you. Wadi is in the chat today. All right, good to see you. And we have Creative Experiments. All right, coming in. Say, Apple now laying off people too. Oh, man. They're way overpriced. And they, look, Apple's honestly should be a worker-owned company, in my opinion. Dear God, what in the world? Pachico coming in saying, JB with a thumbs up. Good to see you. All right. We have Zero Joshua coming in saying, hey, JB and fams. All right. This is a great comment by the Quantum Alchemist. Says, in my experience and study, a nation that doesn't take care of their citizens' health is on a dark path. Some holds true for education. Same holds true for education. I definitely agree. Thank you so much. Oh, I had an echo. Did I have an echo the whole time? Sorry. If I did, please let me know. Uh, let me see. Who else? I'm going to drop down to the bottom. Hey, Hen's Teeth. Hen's Teeth's a new Patreon subscriber. Thank you so very much. It says, what is really being ignored is long COVID, a.k.a. Uh, M-E, uh, a.k.a. chronic fatigue. <sighs> yeah. Fortunately, I haven't gotten it. Um, fortunately for me, but, you know, I stayed inside a lot. Anthony coming in saying, hey, Warren. Hey, hey, it's extra boya. Extra boya coming in saying, hola, familia. All right. We are familiar. Little coming in saying any relation to double day book publishers? Oh, I don't know. That's actually an interesting question. I have no idea. Rick Solis coming in saying, hey, y'all. The Jam Mob coming in saying, okay, on mobile. Does not show that you're alive. Yeah, that might have been my fault for accidentally putting in AM instead of PM. So it might have been hours ago. Uh, I'm so I'm gonna beat myself up over that one. We have old man Barker coming in saying, hey, buddies. All right, Ty G. Oh, tons of reverb while Julia talk. Oh, maybe I should have. 
maybe I should have um muted my mic. That might have would have been it. Might have would have been. Mm, okay. All right. Sean Miller says, hit that like. Yeah, yeah. By the way, hit the like button, guys, if you guys have not already. Thank you so very much for that, Sean Miller. All right. So let's go back down to the bottom where everybody is, you know. Sweaty Fairy says, hey, no beating up my bestie. <laughs> hey, Sweaty Fairy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. Sebastiano, good to see you. Uh, good to see you all as, as well. All right. Okay, so, um, oh, and Nadia. Nadia said, what happened to everyone that lost their minds became anti-vaxxers and off various other cliffs too? Uh, I don't know. You know, the thing is, is that there are some people who are more vaccine hesitant. Um, there is a difference. Um, so I'm of the opinion where I honestly think that, okay. I have a very extremely measured trust in pharmaceuticals. Granted, I have to take pharmaceuticals in order for me to survive as a disabled person on dialysis, but my trust in them is very measured. That being said, Black people have also had a history with having things forced upon them. And so this is one of the reasons why I am one, I'm not for mandates. Number two, I think that if we had a fully nationalized pharmaceutical industry that was focused on prevention and a healthcare industry focused more on prevention instead of treatment, then we would have been, we would have had a better outcome like Cuba. And for that reason, then this is why I do not, you know, I do not push uh, people to take vaccines or jabs, but at the same time, if you want to and you feel safer in doing so, then God bless you. That's how I feel. And, you know, of course, whenever I go to dialysis, I have to mask up. That's just the way it is. Um, I used to wear a mask everywhere I go. Um, I don't as much anymore, primarily because I'm always home because I ain't got no money to go out. But another reason why is because um, there is, you know, there's studies on both sides. <laughs> so, you know, I am kind of like in the middle when it comes to a lot of these things. And I, you know, you know, there's just there's a lot of information out there to go over. But, you know, I just want people to have, you know, I just want everyone to have health care everyone to, you know, have a, I want everyone to have a system that focuses on prevention and curing people, not treating, curing. That's what I would want to see. And that's all I got to say. Because the thing is, is like there are people on either side. And the thing is, is that we all need to come together and, you know, 
as workers, as the proletariat, to really change the system from the ground up. Because ultimately, the enemy is the corporate dictators. They are the enemy. They are the ones that are making our lives this way. They are the ones that cause us to have untold suffering, not in just our country, but our brothers, sisters, and siblings around the world. That's what I got to say. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Getting off my soapbox here. But thanks to everybody for coming in. I am going to be getting into the next stories. Uh, so, we had Julia talk snap and Medicaid cuts. So, she was just here. So, uh, thank you so much to Julia for coming in. We also have McDonald's layoffs. So McDonald's had a bunch of layoffs recently. So I'm going to be talking about that. And then my other story is Mumia Abu-Jamal denied. So we're going to be talking about that as well. This is going to be the other two stories that I'm going to be discovering today. So McNeese. McDonald's, the Golden Arches, not McDowell's. <laughs> McDonald's decided to do something kind of weird. Well, it, it, let's just take a look. I saw this. I was like, what in the hell? So this is McDonald's to close offices ahead of layoff notices. Close offices? What in the world? So, this fast food giant McDonald's is temporarily shutting its U.S. offices at the company as the company readies to let employees know about layoffs, according to a new Wall Street Journal report. It says McDonald's told U.S. employees and some international staff to work from home Monday through Wednesday so the company can communicate key decisions related to roles and staffing levels across the organization, according to an internal email sent last week. The news outlet reported the fast food chain had announced corporate reorganization efforts to up its speed and efficiency back in January and had set April 3rd as the date by which they share more de details with employees. We want to ensure the comfort and confidentiality of our people during the notification period, McDonald's said of the temporary office closures. The McDonald's layoffs come as companies across sectors move to slash jobs and cut costs amid difficult economic landscape of high interest rates, high inflation, concerns about possible recession. Several tech industry companies, including Amazon, Facebook, parent company Meta, Twitter, and Microsoft have announced layoffs in recent months. McDonald's competitor Wendy's also announced restructuring and possible corporate layoffs back in January. So this article is also in the description as well, but this is what's going on. And one of the things that I wanted to mention as well is that when the Fed increases interest rates and it forces these companies to lay people off that increases the labor pool 
so that there's more competition among workers. That competition among workers means that they will be willing to work for lower wages in order to get the job. So this means that these corporations will pay less for more workers. See what I mean? So that's how nefarious it is. And so this is why I say the corporate dictators are using the government to their own ends. <sighs> so there is a video that I also want to show. All right. Go, go, Power Rangers. Okay. Let's go. McDonald's reportedly planning a restructuring. The fast food giant closed all its U.S. offices temporarily this week in preparation for incoming layoffs. And that's according to a report from The Wall Street Journal. Yahoo Finance's Brooke De Palma, she has the latest. Good morning, Jared. Well, certainly some disappointing news coming out of McDonald's this morning. Wall Street not reacting too much in opening. Share was mostly flat here, but that's right. The burger chain is reportedly planning to lay off both the U.S. and international employees this week. In an internal memo obtained by Wall Street Journal, the company said employees should work from home Monday to Wednesday of this week while they deliver those staff change-ups and layoffs virtually. Now, the decision to lay off those employees virtually. Part of that reason was due to this being a high travel weekend with most of their employees off. Now, employees who will be out of the office, who will not have access to their computers, were actually encouraged and asked to provide personal contact information in which they will be contacted if, in fact, they are impacted. Now, with this, the... So, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? You know, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a little story. Let me tell you a story. Let's let's bring the microphone a little closer. Let me tell you a story. There once was a young man named JB. This young man named JB. This was back in 2008. In fact, January of 2008. And JB was working at a dinner show called Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede Dinner Show. Yeah, I used to work there. There was one here in Orlando. And JB went to work. They had just finished the Christmas season. It was successful, right? We did five shows a day. I was working hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. Barely any breaks. We worked hard. And our numbers were up. Things were good. Right, I had moved from the kitchen before I got on dialysis to working in ticketing and sales after, after dialysis. So, yes, I did have a job right after dialysis, too. And we were told to go home early because everything was done. We had to transition over from the Christmas season back to the regular season. So you had to take down the Christmas decorations and all this and that. So once we were doing that and changing things over, we were also doing mass, you know, deep cleanings. They were doing deep cleanings in the kitchen and different areas. It was kind of, you know, we didn't have any shows that day because we were just told to just 
you know, change things over. They told us, you know what, if you guys are done, you guys don't have to wait till it's time for you guys to clock out. You guys can go ahead or go home early. So that's what a lot of us did. We got sent home early. I go home and I'm with my neighbors, my friends, and they have me over for dinner. We had spaghetti, by the way. I remember. And you know, spaghetti, you know, it's a little heavy. You know, you get the itis. You want to, you know what I'm saying? So what I did was, you know, I ate and I went back to my place. And I fell asleep. And I get a call in the middle of my sleep, in the middle of my nap. And at the time, my sister-in-law was also one of my workmates. She worked there. She called me. And she was in tears. And she was like, they let us go, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I can't talk right now. I got to go. Something like that. And, and I just was like out of it. That's how out of it I was. That's how exhausted I was. So I get called back from my friends because we live right next to each other. And they go, James, are you, uh, did you just get fired? I said, no, we're just shifting over to the new, you know, regular season. We just got finished with Christmas season. They're like, no, I think you got fired. And I was like, what? So then they said, it's on the news. And I'm like, what? So I go over to their house on their TV, channel 13 news, right? Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede is now selling its property and they are laying off all their workers. So we all got laid off at the drop of a hat because they made a business deal selling the property because they said that it was an opportunity they couldn't pass up. 20, I think it was $24 million for that property that they sold it for. Even though... We had a good year, the profits were up, and we did a good job. So that's what happened to me. So I know what it's like to be laid off. And all your workmates are laid off. And they literally had some of my coworkers, they had security come in, escort them to their locker, grab all their stuff from the locker, and escort them off the property. Not to mention some of the performers, because you had the horse riders and people like that, the performers as well. Some of them got transferred to either Branson or Pigeon Forge. So, yes, I know what it's like to be laid off because profit. So what McDonald's employees, what Microsoft employees Meta employees, Twitter employees, all these employees, what they're going through. I, I know, I feel your pain. 
and I got a severance. But the severance covered me for maybe a month, maybe. And I was the lucky one. Some of my workmates only got a severance that covered them for two weeks. Yeah. Thanks, Jim Rule. Thank you, I guess. Thanks, Dolly. I don't know if she had a direct hand in this, but she's part owner of the company. So, yeah. That's what happened with me. So that's why this is so important, you know? And guess what? How many people who are being laid off from these positions are going to accept lower wages at different positions at different companies because they got laid off and they're desperate now? So now the workforce is going to make even less. And that's how this system works. Shall we continue? We shall. Company also reportedly told employees to cancel all in-person meetings with vendors and outside parties at its headquarters. But Jared, it is unclear what teams will be impacted, how large or small this impact will be. And Yahoo Finance did reach out to comment to McDonald's and received no comment. And Brooke, this comes against the larger backdrop. Walk us through what we have heard so far from the company over the course of this year. That's right. Well, let's see from a Wall Street perspective, shares are mostly flat this year, but the larger revamp is really the bigger backdrop that we're taking a look at when it comes to McDonald's. They're aiming to hone in on restaurant growth, operation efficiency, effectiveness, and innovation here. So back in January, the company announced Accelerating the Arches 2.0. That's sort of a, a revamp, a second innovation of their Accelerating the Arches 1.0. In addition to that, as part of it, they added a fourth D, that fourth D driving restaurant growth, and they also announced Accelerating the Organization ATO. Now, as part of that, CEO Chris Kimchensky sent out a memo back in January saying, quote, as part of this work, we will evaluate evaluate roles and staffing levels in parts of the organization, and there will be difficult decisions, uh, discussions and decisions ahead. We expect to finalize and begin to communicate key decisions by April 3rd. Now that brings us to today. The memo later on went to say that the company is divided in silos with a sensor of segments and markets, and that approach is what they say outdated and self-limiting. Now this comes as that restaurant growth background is a large, large plan for 2023. The company plans to open 1,900 restaurants and new locations, that is, this year. 400 will be in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Europe, 900 in US, uh, in China, that is. So certainly betting big there. The company also tapped the Chipotle exec who was uh, coined with innovation and growth at the company. So certainly bringing that here. And in terms of a larger macroeconomic backdrop, Chris Kamchensky said on the call that lower income consumers are trading down, spending less at their stores as inflation continues to take a toll. But McDonald's performing well this year. The company recently beat across the top and bottom line in their latest quarterly results. And so certainly we'll wait to see just how large this layoff round will be and what exactly the impact will be on both its workforce and its bottom line. You know, Brooke, I just... You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I just noticed 
she said they're opening a bunch of locations, but she didn't say that they were hot, how many people they were hiring. I don't know if you guys have been noticing, and some people are of you, some of you are on Twitter, but there's been a lot of video of McDonald's restaurants that have nobody in them. You go in, you pick up your order, electron, your electronically order, you pick your order up that is created by machines, and it brings that out to you, and you walk out of the room. When it con when it, when they talk about a restructuring to make things more efficient, efficient, they're <laughs> they're talking about automation. And mind you, the people that they fired were mostly white collar McDonald's workers, people who work in their corporate offices. But there's something to be, to be said. I don't care if you're a white-collar worker. You're still a worker. Still a worker. You could be that person that works in, you know, in, 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 that works in, the call, in a call center. Or you can be a person that works in an, on the offices. You're still a white-collar worker. Now, given, you know... There are some white collar jobs that are kind of unnecessary, but there are quite a few that are still necessary. But they want to eliminate those positions and have machines or AI do that work for them instead. So guess what? People are going to be screwed. And it's sad that people are being treated this way. <sighs> Sad. I just think about their headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, and particularly, or at least in the Chicago area, and what that means for so many employees who will be remaining there. I mean, does this mean that they just have kind of a WeWork set up and say, oh, yeah, we just got this kind of McDonald's WeWork outpost that people can come into or is it purely virtual? What, you know, how does this vastly change the structure of people who are even continuing to stay on at McDonald's? Well, Brad, to make it clear, from what I understand, the company will only close its offices, its U.S. offices, from Monday to Wednesday of this week while it does these layoffs rounds. And so while it seems like it's a hybrid workforce here, mm. those employees who are not impacted by these layoff rounds are still encouraged to work from the office once they reopen on, say, Thursday. And in addition to that, as you noted, Hamburger University, as they call their Chicago headquarters, it has such a large presence in Chicago. Chicago, and so I don't see them closing the office permanently anytime soon. All right. I would like to get <sighs> Hamburger University. Give me a break. Dear God. One of my biggest questions, though, would be the workload of those workers that are still remaining. Is their workload going to increase? Because they're not hiring any more people at their offices. Meaning somebody's going to have to pick up that slack. Remember when um, 
I don't know if you guys remembered a few weeks back when uh, Savvy Sabs had the segment on quiet hiring. Quiet hiring. Same. Oh yeah, we're gonna hire more people, but then you go, eh, no, you guys can all do the job. So I'm not gonna hire more people because then we're saving more money. Just we're just gonna have you do more work, even though you barely can do the amount of work that you're doing now. This is Pharaoh demanding you to make more bricks without straw. No more straw. But we need straw to make bricks. No, make them without straw. Use your heads. Use your brains. By the way, last weekend, uh, the yearly play of the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston just was on. So that just came to mind. But, you know, yeah. Let's my people go. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on right now. Pharaoh is like, whoosh, make bricks without straw to his white collar workers. That's what we see. And, you know, it's just, it's sad, man. You know, the phrase from McDonald's is I'm um, loving it. They say ba da ba ba ba. But apparently they definitely don't love their workers. <laughs> they do not love their workers. <sighs> I feel bad. So yeah, that's one of the stories uh, out of this. I think there was another point that I wanted to make. Um, there was another point. Um, yes, I have it here. Uh, let's go to this other article really quick. I can't get that. I got that, that tune stuck in my head. That Power Rangers tune. Do, 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 do. All right. You can tell I'm a millennial, can't you? Roger, don't you laugh at me. <laughs> I, I can hear him laughing at me right now. Four key, key takeaways from McDonald's layoffs. So this says in recent corporate shakeups, Amazon, Meta, and Disney have all been downsizing their workforce. Now it seems that even the iconic burger chain which has become synonymous with fast food worldwide, is feeling the pinch as McDonald's joins the list of companies announcing layoffs that will affect hundreds of employees. As part of a much larger company restructuring, McDonald's Corporation has recently informed its employees about impending layoffs as temporary closed all of its U.S. offices this week. So... Is talking about it's getting more expensive to sell fast food. So this is some of the points that I wanted to uh, point out. Because McDonald's plans to allocate up to two point four billion dollars towards capital expenses, which will involve the the construction of one thousand nine hundred additional restaurants worldwide. 
Despite raising menu prices in response to inflation last year, McDonald's customers didn't seem to notice as foot traffic increased by 5% in 2022. According to CEO Chris Kempinski, low-income customers are spending less per visit but are visiting McDonald's more frequently. Last year, Kempinski had predicted a mild to moderate recession in the U.S. and a deeper and longer downturn in Europe. Is raising minimum wages aren't a problem. The layoffs at McDonald's are expected to impact corporate workers more significantly compared to frontline workers who are more likely to earn minimum wages. McDonald's frontline workers are seen, or wait, McDonald's frontline workers are less vulnerable than white collar employees. There are significant shortage of workers in the fast food industry. McDonald's can't afford to reduce its workforce, but there may be some corporate roles that can be streamlined, making them more vulnerable to cuts. So just because you're in the corporate offices doesn't mean that you're safe. Doesn't mean you're more safe than the people who work on the front lines. You know? It's crazy, man. I could have swore. Eh. So, yeah. I'm going to go to the chat because this is, yeah, unfortunately. Bill Bradley says, the question is, is will people wake up? And were I to bet on it, it would be, I would bet no. I would bet this path ends in a right-wing demagogue coming to power on the back of faux populism. I mean, hasn't that happened already? Bill Bradley also continues, says, not all workers are the same. Lumpen labor aristocracy is more complicated than just worker and owner. That's true. Um, but it's different when that lumpen proletariat gets laid off and fired. Um, not sure if they'll be able to continue, you know, but I don't know. I just hope that they wake up. I just hate that it took for them to get laid off for them to wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah, Miguel, Hamburger University is, yeah. Uh, Upstate Raider Raider says employee is a ish term. And Miguel says wage slave is more appropriate. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let me see. Creative Experiment says McDonald's deport workers who complain. Also, Pandora Express advertises 100,000 a year in total benefits. They haven't closed down. Wow. Where Sorry Fairy says, Bestie, listen to LaVey Bohem. Problem solved. Never heard of him. Oh my gosh. What did you say, Quantum Alchemist? 
Quantum Alchemist says, ah, yes, I remember one of the original makers of Power Rangers admitted flat out in an interview 90s. Honestly, the plot was garbage, the effects sucked, and the acting was bad. <laughs> but the kids seemed to like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we loved it. We absolutely loved it. Jenna says, I still have the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell song in my head shared in your Twitter last week in response to your comment on political parties. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that people were still remember that. Creative Experiment says, I have a master's degree in mechanical engineering. It took me getting laid off and homeless to learn about Marxism. Oh, See, that's the problem. I don't want people to have to go through that in order to learn these type of things. You know? Unfortunately, sometimes that's how it happens. It's just like somebody who is considered themselves to be, let, let, let's say, homophobic, right? Until they get a family member or a child that is LGBTQ. And then they're like, oh... Yeah, I don't want something bad to happen to my child. And so they start to wake up. It's like, you know, or 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 it could be people who, you know, are cool with the privatized medical insurance medic, you know, medical insurance system that we have. And then they have to deal with the insurance companies now as somebody who's sick or disabled. And they go, Oh my God, private insurance is is hell. We need to we need to do something about this. And it's just like, you know, and that's the thing. I don't want people to go through anything like this in order to to learn about it. But unfortunately, that's the way it goes in it. You know, like creative experiments. I'm glad that you're, you know, um, that you've had your eyes open, but I didn't want you to have your eyes open this way. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like my heart breaks because I don't want you to have to go through that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm glad you learned, but you know, I wish you could have learned it without getting laid off, you know? It's all love, man. It's all love. Ay, ay, ay. Jenna Kobe says, I feel bad for thinking this, but kind of glad I'm old and will be dead soon. But it's happening so fast. Who knows if it'll hold off a decade? Oh, uh, Jenna. <sighs> We're trying to make it better. We're trying to. We just got to learn and teach. And hopefully the kids... The kids will make things right. We're trying to do our part into setting things up. But hopefully kids can take that bowling ball and knock those pins down. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Bryce, I didn't, did I say hello to you? Hey, Bryce. Good to see you. Let me get to Rockfin. Um, also, uh, let me share the screen. Go, go share the screen. Let me stop, stop, JD. Dear God, why in the hell do you guys watch my channel? <laughs> Roger, thank you so much for the tip. Roger says, Julia, if you live in Washington, Arkansas, Idaho, 
Main? Yeah, I think Maine. Washington, Wyoming, Utah. You can place initiatives on the ballot to pass your own state laws. In this case, single payer. If you live in California, Colorado, um, I'm sorry, that was Alaska. This is Arkansas, Arizona, um, Nevada. Wait, not Nevada. Nevada's at the end. What the hell is any? South Dakota, Montana, Missouri, Oklahoma, Oregon, Florida, Illinois, Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota, Nevada. God, I got to I got to do better on my acronyms. An exception to Illinois and Florida, you can use the process for laws as well as also to amend your state constitution. This is preferred because if state government wants to repeal, they must ask you first, unlike law. Jay, you mentioned Apple should be a worker co-op. Did I ever show you this? I thought I did. Um, this is a... Okay, let me, this is behind a paywall. Hang on. Let's do my thing. Yes, I know how to get around paywalls, people. Yes, I will show you how to do it too. Okay, let me show you guys how to get around paywall, just in case, okay? And I'll get back to, to Roger's comment. Um, just so you guys know, and if you, especially if you guys have channels, Here's what I want you guys to do if you guys want to get around a paywall. Uh, where is it? Okay. So if you guys go to archive.ph, right? And then you take the link to the article that is paywalled, put it in here. It says my URL is alive and I want to archive his account. Then hit click save. Then what it does is that it, if it doesn't have it saved, it will save it and it will take the entire article and put it in the archive. If it's not already, if it's already saved, it'll just pop right up. And so this goes through this whole entire spiel. But what it does is that it goes past the paywall and it puts the article in front of you, so you don't have to pay one red cent to these corporate dictators in order to read some stories. You're welcome, people. I love you. All right, by the way, for this article, I'm going to give you guys the archive linked so that you guys won't have to go through paywall. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I'm loving you. All right, people. So hopefully it'll work faster. Come on. Come on, Archive. Come on. A lot of people don't know about that. So you guys won't have to worry about being paywalled all the time. Because, I mean, you guys shouldn't have to worry about that, right? I mean, these people literally get their funding from these, you know, these corporate dictators. Screw the corporate dictators. Anyway, so here it is. If Apple were a worker cooperative, each employee would earn at least 
thousand dollars. It says Apple has ninety eight thousand employees and earn and had earned thirty nine point five billion dollars after tax over the past year. If Apple was a worker cooperative, then each employee would have received a four hundred three thousand dollar dividend on top of their salaries even the lowest paid worker would have earned at least four hundred three thousand dollars in apple as a worker cooperative the first thing naysayers and disbelievers will say is but apple isn't a worker cooperative mondragon is a worker cooperative that has about seventy four thousand employees and earned 12.6 billion dollars in revenue Mondragon is smaller than Apple, but it's at a scale that demonstrates that we can do better as employees. And it goes into the worker cooperative. So I'm so glad that Roger shared this with me. And I'm so glad that I was able to share you guys that you guys do not have to be confined by a paywall by these corporate sites. Did you subscribe yet? Go ahead and hit that red box, baby. Trying to great for me. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to Roger's comments. And I shared that in the chat. Thank you, Roger, by the way. This was beautiful. Now. God, I love my people. You guys are amazing. Make me better. Roger continues. He says, they should have given you a severance package check that was equal to two annual salary in one check. Oh, I just thought of a new ballot initiative amendment. Do as a second option after offering them company ownership that comes about due to a right of first refusal law that says before you sell, merge, go public, outsource, or further automate, the company must offer workers ownership. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, Roger. Thank you. Oh, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Amen. He continues, says, if they don't want to give them a severance check. Oh, offer to me worker ownership instead of giving me a severance check? Shoot. Look, take the severance check. Give me worker ownership. All right, fine. Hell, let me skip that check. And then I'll be a worker owner. And then we, all of us, will collectively own and get all the profits and then spread it to Bronx, all of ourselves as workers. I, I, I agree, Roger. I agree. Same, brother, same. All right. Now. The Jam Mom, that was from Forbes. Do you guys want the link again? I'll give you the link. This is from the archive, okay? Share it, am share it amongst your friends. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Don't we'll have talk. We'll have coffee. We'll talk. No big whoop. All right. I, I missed that. Mike Myers used to do that. I'm Laura Richman with Coffee Talk. <laughs> you guys remember that from SNL? Anyway, so.
Quantum Alchemist says, in many parts of Europe, Friday, a.k.a. starting tomorrow, it's already a holiday. However, yeah, Easter is Sunday. Oh, yeah, okay. Cool. All right, let's go to... By the way, like the stream. Go ahead. Do it. I know you want to. Mwah, forehead kisses. I give you a little too early. There you go. All right. Ah, uh, yes. Now, next story. Mumia Abu-Jamal denied. This is a bit of a serious story now. Um, so... Who is Mumia Abu-Jamal? Many of you probably already know, but just like a lot of people are fighting to free Assange, a lot of people are also fighting to free Mumia Abu-Jamal. And so Mumia Abu-Jamal um, was a journalist, is a journalist. He's still alive. Uh, it says Mumia Abu-Jamal is an internationally celebrated black writer and radio journalist, author of six books and hundreds of columns and articles, organizer and inspiration for the prison lawyers movement, former member of the Black Panther Party and supporter of Philadelphia's radical move organization. By the way, back in the 80s, the government actually bombed West Philly, where my family is from, to get to the people in the move organization. So just let you guys know. So yes, in the 80s, the United States bombed their own civilians on our own soil. It says, who has spent the last 30 years in prison, almost all of it in solitary confinement, which is torture, by the way, on Pennsylvania's death row. His demand for a new trial and freedom is supported by heads of state and prominent politicians worldwide from France, Africa, the Caribbean, Latin America, and elsewhere. Nobel laureates Nelson Mandela, Tony Morrison, and Bishop Desmond Tutu. The European and Japanese parliaments, city governments from San Francisco to Detroit to Paris and its suburbs, distinguished human rights organizations such as Amnesty International, the Congressional Black Caucus, and other members of the U.S. Congress, prominent civil rights groups such as the NAACP, which I'm looking at them with a side eye because they'd be doing some stuff with corporations and that I am just not game with, but it's whatever. And then numerous labor unions such as, um, doesn't say numerous labor unions, and by scholars, religious leaders, artists, scientists, countless others who cherish democracy, human rights, and justice. And so as Mumia Abu-Jamal was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death in 1982 for the murder of Philadelphia police officer Daniel Faulkner, an incident which took place on December 9th, 1981. For the next 30 years, Mumia was held in, in isolation on death row. He was kept there for over 10 years, even though a federal judge ordered his death sentence overturned in 2001. However, after losing numerous appeals to that order, the Philadelphia District Attorney on December 7, 2011, announced he was giving up his attempts to restore Mumia's death sentence. Mumia remains in prison under a sentence of life without parole. Is Amnesty International on the trial and post-trial environment. Says Mumia Abu-Jamal was sentenced to death for murder of a police officer in 1982 after a trial that failed to meet international standards. And this report, Amnesty International, conducts a full analysis of the trial of Mumia Abu-Jamal, 
including the background and atmosphere prevailing in the city of Philadelphia in 1982 and the possible political influence that may have been prevented him from receiving an impartial and fair hearing. That's from Amnesty International. Immortal Technique, the hip hop artist, gave a commentary on Medea, um, sorry, Mumia Abu-Jamal. And the state claims that Philadelphia prosecutors argue and still claim that Mumia driving the taxi driving a taxi down in Philadelphia, came across his brother who had been stopped by Officer Faulkner. Prosecutors further claimed that motivated by a long-standing hatred of police from his days in the Black Panthers and supporter of MOVE, Mumia ran to Faulkner and shot him in the back. Finally, they alleged that although wounded by a return shot from Faulkner, Mumia stood over the fall police officer and shot him several times in the face. That's allegedly... What the Mumia supporters believe happened at the crime scene. There is no dispute that Mumia was wounded as he approached the scene after Mumia was shot. However, the details are unclear. It is known that after police apprehended Mumia and while in transit to the hospital, he was beaten severely by the police. It is also clear from photographic and ballistic evidence, which has only recently come to light, that the state's version of what has happened cannot possibly be true. Moreover, Many of those who believe in Mumia's in innocence claim that he most that the most likely shooter was a fourth person at the scene, Kenneth Freeman, who was riding a Mumia's brother's car. At the trial, the presence of Freeman was known to the prosecution, but carefully concealed from the jury. Patrick O'Connor, in his book, The Framing of Mumia, offers the most reasoned account for this version of events. On the morning of the move bombing, Kenneth Freeman's dead body was found naked in handcuffs. Many of Mumia's supporters believe that he was killed execution style by police who knew he, rather than Mumia, was the guilty party. Other defenders of Mumia have no unified theory of events, but nevertheless unite in viewing his 1982 trial as a mockery of justice and affirm Amnesty International's conclusion that justice would best be served by a new trial. So this is, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but this basically gives you a rundown. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, really just going after Mumia because he's, he, you know, he's a journalist that really speaks on the things that, the police, especially the Philadelphia police, just didn't like. Um, there's one more piece that I want to. Because there was a, a piece that he was uh, he actually went up against. Um, the police state um, in his journalism. And they didn't like that. So people like Mumia Abu-Jamal are deeply important to journalism. Just like Julian Assange is deeply important to journalism and free speech, Mumia Abu-Jamal is as well. He's being kept there really as a, you know, as a political prisoner because they do not want him to be released. 
Uh, I've seen a recent pictures of him. He's not well. So that brings me to the article about um, about him. That was just to get you guys some background. So this is from People's Dispatch. Make sure this is large enough. It says, Mumia Abu Jamal's appeal is denied. Abu Jamal's bid for a new trial based on new evidence of racism and corruption within the prosecution has failed, leaving supporters with one less path for the decades-long political prisoner's freedom. So this came out a few days ago. As despite an international high-profile campaign for his release, Mubia Abu-Jamal's appeal was denied by Philadelphia Judge Lucretia Clemens on Friday, March 31st. Abu-Jamal has spent over 40 years in prison, convicted of killing a police officer after being politically persecuted for his work as a journalist and a Black liberation fighter. The movement for his release has spanned decades and has grown to international levels with high-profile figures such as New NUMSA General Secretary Irvin Jim counted among his supporters. As Angela Davis wrote in an open letter in February on December 16th, a judge ruled that over 200 boxes of materials must be handed to Abu Jamal's defense after previously unseen exculpatory evidence it was mysteriously discovered in 2018. This evidence relates to Abu Jamal's trial and includes documents that indicate that a witness was bribed for her testimony, that the prosecutor removed black people from the jury for racial reasons, and that the prosecution offered leniency to one of their key witnesses for crimes she had been charged with. Based on this new evidence, Abu Jamal's defense requested a new trial. This evidence was not available to the defense during their first trial. This could very well have affected the outcome. So it goes into racist jury selection. Evidence includes the trial's prosecutor's notes in which he tracked the race of each juror during jury selection. The trial prosecutor also wrote the template that he created to select jurors, which he applied unevenly to potential jurors based on race. Documents submitted by Abu Jamal's defense indicate that the prosecutor, quote, deemed certain characteristics important for selecting jurors, but struck prospective black jurors who were more favorable with respect to those criteria than non-black panelists whom he did not strike, end quote. The prosecution hid those notes for over 35 years. Just imagine imagine that you are trying to go that you're going to trial and you claim your innocence this is what people go through especially a lot of black people and so this is what's going on with Mumia Abdul Jamal not that much different than somebody like Julian Assange. I'm not saying that we shouldn't advocate for Julian Assange. I think we should, but we also should do so for Mumia Abu-Jamal as well, because they're both extremely important. 
Mumia Abu-Jamal was tortured. Solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is torture. They can call it by a different name. And in fact, I, I recommend all of you. I can't play it here because it's HBO. But John Oliver did a great piece on last week tonight talking about solitary confinement and how terrible it is. I'm going to give a trigger warning. There is 20 seconds of video that they show of just hearing the men screaming and crying in solitary confinement because they are being tortured. It broke my heart. So this is what people like Mumia Abu-Jamal is going through in prison. They're breaking him and trying to kill him, allegedly. I have to be careful what I say on this show. Let's continue. Abu Jamal supporters have pointed out to an official Philadelphia District Attorney's Office training tape from 1986 that revealed that the prosecutors were trained on how to strike black people from the jury without revealing racist intent in order to avoid a Batson challenge or a challenge to jury selection on racial grounds. And the infamous tape, senior prosecutor Jack McMahon is filmed telling his trainees, quote, in selecting blacks to the jury, again, you don't want the real educated ones, end quote. The new evidence could have given Abu Jamal his best chance at release after having endured medical neglect and torture during his decades-long stay in prison. Judge Lucretia Clemens dismissed Abu Jamal's appeal largely on procedural grounds. As journalist and longtime Abu Jamal supporter Noel Hanran wrote, quote, Everyone in Philadelphia knows his trial judge, Judge Albert Sabo, was a stone-cold racist. Everyone knows that witnesses were bribed. Judge Lucretia Clemens stated that even if the jurors knew witnesses were bribed, it would have not affected their decision. Now, come on. Really? End quote. Abu Jamal supporters vow to continue fighting despite the setback. So this is happening on American soil in the United States. And so this is, you know, this is why independent media is so important because we need a slew of us. This is why when I bring people on, especially activists and independent journalists and citizen journalists, and I ask them about their perspective and how they got into this space, I want to encourage you to do the same because we all need to keep speaking out. And you don't have to get on camera like me, right? You don't have to show your mug on, on camera like I do. You can, if you're a writer, be a writer, right? If you just want to use your voice on radio or just, you know, make a podcast, do that. But for goodness sakes, please speak out. Tell the truth. Let people know what's really going on. 
because we cannot continue to let this happen. People like Julian Assange and Mumia Abu-Jamal, people like Chelsea Manning, people like Edward Snowden, people, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. He was on house arrest. Uh, sorry, I'm forgetting his name. But people like you know him, they all are suffering at the hands of our state. On behalf, and our state is working on behalf of the corporate dictators because they do not want to give up their power. They don't want people to have power. They don't want you or I to actually have power in this country. That's why it is important to discuss stories like this. So the links are also in the description as well for the case about Mumia Abu-Jamal. Um, please share. Uh, if you guys want to, you guys can share this screen. Just stream. Um, I know that Dr. Jared Ball from Black Power Media also talks at length about Mumia Abu-Jamal. Share them. Share Dr. Jared Ball's, you know, commentary about Bumia Abu Jamal as well. Because the thing is, is that his story also needs to get out. Steven Donzinger, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, Steven Donzinger as well. Yeah, because there's so many people who are constantly being attacked for telling the truth. You should not have to suffer for telling the truth. But yet, that's how it is in this country. I'm going to go to the comments in the chat. Let's check The Rock because I don't want to miss anything else. I don't want to be a player no more. I'm not a player. I just crush a lot. You know? Um, okay. So... Yeah, I have to check things myself because I don't have a producer. The Quantum Alchemist says, at bare minimum, he should have had the chance of a second trial. I don't know the details for the U.S. or the respective single states, but isn't that supposed to be a basic human right in oh-so-glorious West? In the oh-so-glorious West? Supposed to be the quantum alchemist. But that's not the way it is. Quantum alchemist, are you outside the United States? Um, if you are, then let it, let us know what country you're in. But here in the United States, no. Rules for thee, but not for me. That's the way it goes in this country. By the way, did you know, if you, if you don't live in the United States, do you know that we still have slavery legalized? Yeah, we do. There's an exception in our 13th Amendment. It's supposed to abolish slavery, but there's an exception. So therefore, it does not abolish slavery. So, yeah. <sighs> but great points. Great points. Sean Miller says, maybe when habeas corpus was still a thing. Yep, that was taken away, too. Sean Miller says it's worse than torture. Most say it's worse than death. Yeah. Talking about solitary confinement. Yeah. 
Creative Experiment says there's a great documentary on Frontline called Solitary Nation. Yeah. And the crazy part is some people, some some of y'all got family that's in prison right now. Just imagine that your family is literally going through this. Just imagine your family members having to endure, endure this. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Quantum Alchemist says, want to hear a biological fun fact? Why do you think isolation is so effective? Because the human is a social creature. In fact, you social to be exact. Yeah, yeah, we are very social creatures. Even if you're an introvert, you still are a social creature. You just want to have more limited, but you still want to be social. Yipper 99 says, if not more, because he has been locked up for the longest in here. Roger Meadows says, bro, Bradley, not with that attitude, we won't. <laughs> there were people who I grew up who said, we'll never see a black president. Slaves thought they would never be free. Governor Wallace thought segregation forever. Bradley says, I would say we have to walk before we can run. Someone needs to prove that they can organize workers in the first place. Sounds like you both are right. See, this is why I love my people in the chat, because you guys have some nuanced, deep conversations that I'm just like, I learn from you guys so much. This is why I love you guys. You guys are just amazing. Uh, let me see, Bill Bradley, who says he had to be first. I'm through with unions because I see their flaws. I'm way past unions and going straight towards ownership. Citizen ballot initiatives can help bring that forward. Okay, so you guys are having a deep conversation. <laughs> All right. So... Ty G says the reality is that we're taxed at 97% in the US and shape cropping was 10%. You mean sharecropping? Well, <laughs> kind of feels like we're still going through that right now, actually, if you ask me. But yeah. Jam Mom says highlights how crazy for profit prisons are in a capitalist system. Yeah, so, you know, solidarity, free Mumia, man. Free Mumia, free Assange, free all these political prisoners for speaking out, free the whistleblowers. Whistleblowers should be regarded as heroes. They are heroes. And yet, you got George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, well, technically, and Joe Biden still walking free. That is ass backwards, man. That is crazy. You have Mumia Abu-Jamal and Julian Assange, you know, suffering in prison. And Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton are still walking free. That is wicked. It's wicked. 
You have people who told the truth who are in prison, suffering, and you have people who killed millions who are walking free and getting their legacy whitewashed in corporate media. What the hell? Gosh, that's crazy, man. Yes, Yipper, lock them up. Lock them all up. Turning Libya into an open slave market? What they did in Eastern Europe in the 90s? Killing millions of Iraqis? Killing a person who is fighting ISIS? And a military leader in Iran? You know, pushing a proxy war in Ukraine against one of the biggest nuclear powers in our in our world? Nah, these people are monsters. They are monsters, and they should be designated as such. Mm-mm. So, yeah. And thanks to Mumia Abu-Jamal and Julian Assange for all the work that you do. Thank you, guys. Mumia, our hearts are with you. So, that's going to be it, guys. Uh, thank you so very much. Thanks to all the patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as all the members. Yes, I do have memberships on my channel. So, if you guys want thank you so very much as well to all of you also thank you to the subscribers too because without you guys i wouldn't be able to get to this point so i appreciate you guys you guys make my channel you know the way it is you guys you know push you know me to be better and i appreciate you guys from the top and bottom of my hearts because without you guys i wouldn't be able to do this so thank you for listening to me thank you for trusting me that really that means it means a lot truthfully so thank you um also if you guys have not you guys can also subscribe to my Substack as well you guys can go to jbfont.substack.com so you can guys can get email notifications so you guys can uh see when i go live so you guys won't have to depend on the youtube algorithm to let you guys know if or when i go live this so yeah depend on me not necessarily on youtube so thank you so very much for that also i will be getting into this weekend um asada shakur's autobiography god i've been busy this week it's been a long week and then on top of that i will continue in the reading of laziness does not exist by dr devon price so i will continue to reading for that and on Saturday, I will be live as well at 3 p.m. I will also be having on Jesse Jett from the Indie News Network. We'll be talking about his art and activism. I cannot wait to see you guys at 3 p.m. I hope you guys are able to come in and join me because it's going to be a great conversation. So I can't wait for that as well. 
And be sure to tune in to the Savvy and JB Show at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Revolutionary Blackout Network. We'll be talking about the feud right now between Dr. Jill Biden, the First Lady, and Angel Reese, the champion of the LSU women's basketball team. That's going to be a conversation. And the second story we're going to be getting into is the Restrict Act. It's not just a TikTok ban, baby. The Restrict Act is dangerous, and we're going to be getting into it. We're also going to have Ron Pacone join us later in the show as well to help us solidify what's so bad about it. So I hope to see you guys on RBN a little bit later. Thank you so very much to all of you guys for tuning in. You guys were great. Uh, you guys have so many great things takes so many great things to talk about and i appreciate you thanks to julia doubleday for joining on the stream as well for talking about you know the the plight the fight against the poor that's really what it is uh, it, we keep we have to call it out like we see it and so all of you guys please take care of yourselves <sighs> water your plants Water yourselves. Leave the world better than you found it. Smoke them if you got them. Drink them if you got them. If you ain't got them, watch something hilarious. Watch something funny because joy is revolutionary. Mwah. Forehead kisses to you. And mwah, mwah, mwah. all y'all. Bunch of sexy motherfuckers.